0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more, because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. All right. First of all, thank you to Pastor Sam and Pastor Kel. I don't take this lightly. I wanted to say no when he asked me a couple of months ago, but I knew it was more of a, thank you, Brandon, um, an obedience to God thing. So I'm here, so bear with me. Um, But first of all, I just want to pray really quickly. Lord, thank you so much for this space in this room. I pray that the words would not be Maddie's opinion, but that it would be your words, that it would be your scripture that just washes us and just fill this room. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, (laughs) Thanks, Doc. Okay, so when Pastor Sam had asked me to speak, I was just thinking, like, what do I want to share? What does our church need? And I was really praying, like, Lord, what do you want to speak to our church? And You know, my husband Brendan came, he was compassionate, he's incredible, and he was talking about, we need to be the one to be sowing the seeds, and we need to be known by our love. And I was like, where as a society are we going wrong? Because we're missing the mark, gravely, and we know that. And as I was sitting and I was in prayer, I was thinking, are we watering our own seeds? We, we so badly want to pour out to others, but are we even doing what we need to do internally to be able to do that? And on Thursday nights, we have our women's, you know, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality crew. And every time we're talking and we're digging deep into the hard stuff, the whole point of it is pointing back to being better disciples of Jesus so that we can then make more disciples, right? It's always getting better ourselves And so I was realizing that we're missing the mark because every single day there's a daily battle between our own flesh and what we desire in our life and what God actually has for us and desires for our life. So it's a daily battle and we're struggling. If you look at our world, it is evident that we are struggling, which leads me to my title today, which is fruit versus the flesh. So what has control of your life? And Paul says in Galatians, if you have your Bible, if you have your app, if not, we'll have it up on the screen. Um, but in Galatians 5, 17, it says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's rough, right? So I know I'm coming pretty hard this morning, but these are obvious acts of the flesh. This is how we know we're satisfying our own desires and our own needs. And it says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And something I do wanna specify is that living like this means you have no convictions, you don't care, you're doing it, this is the life that you want. That is very different than falling short. That is very different than you're pursuing God and you messed up because we're human and we will mess up and give into our flesh. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Very different things. But if you live like this, if you have no conviction, if you don't care and you're enjoying these things, then who cares, God? Who cares what you want for my life? Then it says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I want to ask us today, are these things what is controlling your life? Are you following the desires of your heart? What you want on a daily basis, are you actually submitting to God and what he has for you? Because in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also known as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law to those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so we have our flesh every single day, and we have the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us these like attributes of our character to cancel it out. It's designed literally to neutralize it. It's needed in order to control all those things. And the only way for you to conquer those desires in your own heart is to yield it to the Holy Spirit, is to give it to God. There's no other way. We can't do it on our own. And when I was looking, when it says the fruit of the Spirit The Greek word for fruit in the passage is karpos, which means a result of something, right? And so you see people going to the gym, you see their muscles, their six-pack, all the girls with the toned legs, right? That's a result of something. It's a result of them day in and day out going to the gym and being committed, right? So just as much as when you see the fruit of the Spirit, it's a result of something. And what it is, it's a result of relationship. It is evidence that you're being led by God and not your own desires and not your own flesh. And so fruit is just character that runs deep. It requires dying to yourself every single day, which is hard, especially in our society. But something that I want to encourage and challenge us um, in today is that you can be led by the spirit of God or you can be led by your flesh, but you can't be led by both. And society will want to make you think that you can. We have a lot of people who are trying to do both, and you can see where we're going wrong. And it's a daily battle, and I want to encourage us, which end are we going to fall on? And when I was looking at just uh, looking up fruit and the analogy of fruit, and I was, you know, we have in Chino, we have all the strawberry fields, and on Riverside Drive, there's some of the best strawberry farms, and I was looking into how long it actually takes to grow fruit, and strawberries are one of the quickest growing fruits, in the second year, they'll bloom, right, you'll see the fruit, but blueberries take three to five years. Um, pears take four to six years to grow. So I'm like, that's kind of a long time. And if you pass by the strawberry fields, if you see anybody that has a garden, you know they're like day in and day out taking care of their soil. They're protecting their fruit from any of the bugs that are trying to come in and ruin their crops. It takes a lot of effort. It doesn't just appear by coincidence. It's work, right? So whenever you see that, you know there's been relationship. There's somebody tending to the soil. There's somebody caring for it, taking care of it. So when you see the fruit of the Spirit in somebody, when you're like, wow, that girl, Grandma Liz, when you see Grandma Liz and you are like, she is so loving, she is so kind, she is so gentle, that is evidence of relationship with Jesus. And so I want that to be clear. When you see that in somebody, that's not our own might. that is Jesus and evidence that they are somebody who is taking the time to tend to their soil and water themselves and make sure that they're not pouring from an empty cup, right? Because we can't do that. That's why we're missing the mark in today's society. So who's the owner of that fruit, right? Because we can't be, I can't have self-control on my own. Let's be real. I cannot. I am angry sometimes. I have no patience. It takes Jesus. So in Romans 8, 11 through 16, it says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to our flesh. It's not to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you have to live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And this is what I want to hit on, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. My husband came up here and preached about we're going to be known by our love, right? That's how we know we're disciples. The same way that if you exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, then you are testifying, I'm a child of God. I'm a disciple of God. It is evident in my life. You know that because it will be on display. Those are things that aren't meant to be hidden, but it's out for everybody. And it's one thing we know right now, right? Scripture literally says the spirit who raised Jesus Christ himself lives in us. That's incredible. Like, we have that power. Sometimes we don't operate in it. But it's entirely one thing to have the spirit of God in us and to be led by it. And I think a lot of Christians nowadays, we have the spirit of God. We know that. We know we're saved. But is that what leads your life? Is that why you're making the decisions that you're making? Or is it whatever you desire for your heart? A lot of times, too, in the church, we have a lot of spiritual gifts, right? Um, gifts of prophecy, gifts of speaking in tongues, um, the gifts of discernment. But all of that is great and advances the kingdom of God, but it means nothing. If, you, if I came off this stage right now and started yelling at my crazy one and two-year-old, if I displayed anger and impatience, if I was rude and harsh and not gentle with my husband, that means nothing, right? So we can brag and boast about all the gifts that God's given us and, oh, I'm a youth pastor or I'm a, I'm a worship lead, but that means nothing if we're not operating in the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. We can still operate in those gifts because, let me be clear, God gives those to people because he's trying to advance his kingdom and there's benefit to that. But you can be doing that every single day and still gratifying your flesh, I can still literally walk off this stage and be so rude and disrespectful, right? And not kind and not gentle. And that says a lot. What does that say? That there's no relationship right now with me and God. It's evident. And I feel like in our society, in our church, a lot of people um, brag about their titles. I'm the CEO. I have my own company. All of these things. But how often do you see somebody bragging about operating in the fruit of the Spirit? I don't know when I've ever heard somebody say, I have so much self-control, I'm so gentle. Gentleness is not seen as a good thing in today's society. Gentleness means you're weak. And that's not true because one of the fruit of the spirits is gentleness, right? But nobody brags about that. It's all about, it's all about title. It's all about who we are, all of the things that we have to give, but what has God given us instead? Can we operate in that, Right? If somebody would look at you, I want to encourage you to always say, take inventory. If they looked at you, would they, like, would they say, wow, that person's so kind. That person is gentle. They are faithful. It didn't matter what they went through. They stuck it out with God. Would they say those things about you? And, and let's be clear, this is for me too because I know my husband who knows me better than anybody would know, ooh, Maddie's not always kind, right? I'm, I can be very strong. So, like, take inventory, and if not, why not, right? we need to be real and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in that's where the work of God comes in because we're not meant to do it alone we can't we're failing and it's very evident if you just look at our world if you look on social media we are really missing the mark and and even practically speaking I mean it's a daily battle and that's like something I want to hit on flesh or like operating the Holy Spirit with the Roe v Wade with the gun control with all of these things it is so easy to want to insert your opinion and to be harsh and respond but would you have self-control Because 10 years ago, Maddie, who was on her college speech and debate team, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to do all this stuff. I would just clap back. And I enjoyed it. I loved, like, arguing with people. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. You've done a work in me. (laughs) Anybody who's known me since high school, I'm sorry. Um, But that's what's, like, beautiful is we have to purposefully have self-control. Right? Do I want to respond? Is that going to show them love? Is that going to bring them to know Jesus? Or is that just me trying to put my own flesh and my own opinion in things? So just real-world examples, things like that. Can we operate and respond with the fruit of the Spirit instead of our flesh? But how do we do that, right? How do we bear this fruit? Well, fruit is a result of spending hours, days, weeks, months, years in relationship with God. It's evidence. It's that result of a relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus says, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. In John 15, 1 through 5, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and in another version it says abide. So remain in me also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think it's evident. We know when somebody's lacking, right? The Lord, because it's our hostility, all of that comes out because we're human. And so when I was even looking at like, the logistics of an actual vine versus branches, in a garden, a vine actually is the function that pumps life to the branches. And then the branches are what bear the actual fruit, right? So Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. I'm what pumps life to you. You can't do this without me. And then us as the branches are meant to then bear that fruit. But without being connected to the source, we're not going to right and to abide when I was looking up what is the meaning of abide it means to stay in one place for a long time God wants us to stay in one place in a long time with him are we sitting with him are we connecting with him are we just bailing out when it gets hard because I think a lot of us feel like we're abandoned by God there's some hard times and it's like I don't want this Christian life it's so much harder and let's be real it is It's harder sometimes, but God is calling us to actually abide. So would you stay with him even when it's hard? One of the fruit of spirit is faithfulness. Will you be steadfast and will you just commit to something? Because our culture says you don't like it, leave. It got hard, leave. But that's not what God's saying. He's saying be faithful, abide in me. And if we, honestly, church, can figure out how to abide with Jesus and get this under control, then we've got it figured out. Because what it means is we're going to have a flourishing life, It'll be evident that we're abiding by the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're displaying it as a natural byproduct of being with Jesus. And if that's not our goal, if our goal is not to be a better follower of Jesus and a better example for others, then we're missing the mark because our lives aren't about us, and that's something that I've learned. It's not about you, Maddie. It's not about your wants. It's not about your needs. It's not about your desires. It's about what can I do for God. God, what do you want to do in me? Use me, right? So the question is, practically speaking, what are you doing to abide? If you're not at all, are you actually carving time out in your daily schedule to be with the Lord and sitting in his presence? Because I can tell you, I have a one and a two-year-old, and it's craziness at home. And if I don't tell my spouse, hey, I need 30 minutes of just me time to get ready for the day to pray because I can get angry and I could get frustrated and they're crying and they're jumping on my table and they're like damaging things and you want to react. But if I don't take that time to abide then I'm gonna be that much more reactionary and I'm gonna be that much less of a display of what God really wants to show in my family, right? So I would encourage you, are you spending the time to just sit with God and open your Bible or are you scrolling through social media? Are you scrolling through TikTok? Is that what your word is? Is it because you're seeing scripture on Instagram and listening to podcasts and sermons? Because that, that is all necessary and great to fill you up. But there's a difference between revealed knowledge that God gives to you and only you and interprets the scriptures to you and something that he gave somebody else. So we need to be very clear that we need to be abiding. I can't feel the heat from my husband because he's on fire for God and think that's going to sustain me because that won't. I need my own relationship, and I have to do the work. So I think it's important to ask ourselves, in what ways in my life am I fruitful? In what areas? Is it in my home life? Is it in my work life? Is it in church life? And where am I not? And what am I going to do about it? Our desire should not be to continue acting in our flesh, right? We're human. We're going to fall short every single day. But do we want to keep doing that? Or do we want to start operating in the fruit of the Spirit? Do we want to be obeying God and living in what his purpose is and his call is for our life? And I'm going to be like harshly honest. Pastor Sam said I'm I'm a very strong personality, and I pray that we all receive this with grace and love because this is for me too. This is something I have to die to myself daily. I have worked through, continue to work through. But there's a lot of Christians who believe in God, but they bear no fruit. It is very evident that we can say we believe in God. We can have it in our Instagram bio, but every single action is not lining up. They're not patient. They're not faithful. They're not gentle. They're not kind, right? They don't have any self-control. I don't want us to be that. And when I was praying and asking God, like, God, what do you want me to share? It was this. And it was that we cannot continue to just be those Christians on the sideline that are gratifying our flesh and being a bad example for others. We're for the one, right? And this might be like a little bit of a harsher sermon for the one, but it's necessary for us to prune ourselves to be the better example for the one. We want the one to come here, but if we're not patient, if we're not kind, if we're not loving, if we don't have self-control, what are we showing them, right? And that's what's been so important to me and I've learned is that we have to, every single day, die, and it takes pruning, and it takes abiding, and it's harsh. And I was actually talking with Maggie this morning, and she she was even saying how it hurts sometimes, but it's it's not because God wants to hurt you. He's not putting you through that trial because he's mad at you. He's doing it because he's pruning, and he's taking out the things in your life. And sometimes we want to say, woe is me, or this sucks, and I'm out, but it's because God loves you. It's because God has so much bigger of plans for your life than you have for yourself. And sometimes we don't understand that. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we think we know better for ourselves. But the word says that his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we need to abide and we need to be okay with the pruning that needs to take place. We have to cut off things that are stunting our growth, right? Practically speaking. Is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is there any barrier in your life that is causing you to not be able to operate in this? And we have to go through pruning if we want the fruit. We have to. A lot of us want the fruit, but we don't want to work for it. We want, oh, the Christian life, that looks so good. I want those blessings. I want to be doing that. Grandma Liz is so gentle, but you have to do the work. That's not overnight. And the same way somebody who has a six-pack and abs and all of that, that's not overnight. That takes work, and it takes dedication, and it takes discipline. But our society teaches us instant gratification. You do whatever you want, and we want it now. And we want that, we want that career. We want that family. We want that, that money, but we're not willing to do the work. But God says, you have to abide in me. You have to remain in me, and this is what will come out of it. We have to have self-control. Fans like the idea of fruit, right? Fans of Jesus like the idea of fruit, but followers of Jesus actually bear fruit. Are you a fan or are you a follower? And if you're a fan, do you want to be a follower? Do you want to change that, right? The difference is fans come to church, but they don't worship God with their lives, and it's very evident. A follower of Jesus actually have actions that match up with what they say. It doesn't mean they won't fall short, right? I want to make that clear. It does not mean that they won't fall short. But their desire is to please God and not their flesh. And the last fruit of the spirit that I really want to hit hard on because I think in today's culture, it's evident we lack it. And it's self-control, right? That was the last fruit of the spirit. If we can get self-control right in the church, in our society, right, we, we can change a lot of people's lives because our culture says, do what feels good, do whatever you want, live your truth, right? Whatever makes sense for you, do that, and that's going to be where you find freedom. That's where you're going to find the joy, and you're going to find freedom from all of your past, all of your baggage, and they say, just do what you want. But John Tyson says, seeking only to fulfill our desires leads us to slavery to them rather than the liberation that the culture promises, And I don't know if you see it out there, but there's a lot of people who are hurting. I mean, Brendan literally said it, students trying to commit suicide, drug addictions, all those things, people are hurting, right? The culture that promised them freedom, live your truth, all of that is actually the very one that is damaging them and having them come in with all this excess baggage that they're not able to work through. So culture promises you liberation, but Jesus says that comes from me. And having self-control allows you to deny yourself and choose God, right? I mean, I even laugh when Brendan met me, we've been together 10 years. I wanted to be a lawyer. Like I said, I loved arguing, all those things. I'm a special education teacher. Totally different things. And if you knew me 10 years ago, you'd be like, Maddie doesn't have the patience. Maddie can't do that, right? But I had to say, is it what Maddie wants? Is it what Maddie thinks will make her successful and make her happy? Or is it what God wants for my life? Am I going to be willing to submit my career, my home, my family to the Lord, or am I just going to do what I want to do? Because I think that will make me happy. That will make me rich. There's a big difference. And that's why it doesn't matter the money, the fame, all of that. That's why we see so much turmoil in celebrities. That's why we have pastors who are up preaching, mega pastors, and that are falling short and having moral failures at home. Because it's different. The title, the glitz, the glam, that culture promise you, isn't it? It's not it. So we have to try to have self-control. And we can't do it on our own. It takes Jesus. How many of you have tried to stop cussing, to stop eating out, right? To to maybe stop smoking, to stop treating people badly? It's hard. It's really hard. I've said I'm going to stop eating out a lot. I've done great this week. I've practiced what I'm preaching right now. (laughs) I practice what I preach just for this. (laughs) But it's hard. We cannot do it apart from Jesus, right? We can't. And in Proverbs 25, 28, King Solomon says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And back when this was written, if you had a city that didn't have high walls or like this fortress protecting you, you were that much more susceptible to damage, to invasion, to attacks, right? Where they would come and overtake your city. So King Solomon's literally saying, if you lack self-control, you're like a city where the wall's are already broken down. If you don't have self-control, whatever force comes in your life, whatever desires, it's going to take over. It's going to enter your heart. It's going to enter your family, and it's going to take over your life. And we talk a lot about breaking the generational consequences, right, and instead turning it to the Lord's, like, generational blessings for our family. That takes self-control. That takes being sticking it out with Jesus. So the Bible literally saying you are vulnerable. And when I was looking it up, John Tyson had said, it's the B-hole. If you're bored, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you are disproportionately susceptible to giving into your flesh or your desires. So when you're tired, you're probably going to react. I'm probably going to be more snarky with my husband and my kids, right? When you are lonely, you are that much more likely to answer that call at 2 a.m. that says, come over, right? So we need to be very aware of our environment, of how we're feeling If we're angry, we are that much more likely to respond to that Instagram post that we thought was insensitive or rude. We are that much more likely to yell at the person who flipped us off on the freeway, right? We need to be very aware of how we wanna respond. But it takes being aware of your environment that you created, so be aware of that. Do you have people as accountability? To tell them, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you call me to more? Do you have people that are reading the Bible with you? I know me and Mags are going through the book of Matthew together, and it's just that accountability to say, hey, I'm going to commit to God, and I'm going to commit to his word in my life. Do you have those people? And if you don't, we have a church full of them here for you. When you're lonely, don't call up that boy or girl, right? Don't give in. Don't give in to that website that tempts you that can come in and destroy your family and distort what God really has for your marriage and for your life. Addiction will take hold of your life. The spending problem's gonna plague your finances. Self-control hits so many areas, so many areas, and you have to make the choice. What's gonna control you? And I don't know, how many of us even make decisions based off our finances? How much of us, like, our finances control our entire life? I know even for Brendan and I, tithing's huge, but are we getting to the point where are you spending so much that you're like, oh, I don't have anything to give? What well, was it? Because you have a lot of receipts from Amazon, from Target, from Starbucks, right? So where is your heart? Where are you having self-control? You have to make that choice. And we have to also get to a point in our life where we say, like, God, I don't want anything that's not from you. And I think that's a hard and a scary place to be in if we're being really honest. Because sometimes we don't know what that looks like, but we have to trust that he knows better. And like I can say, in my own life, this is my entire living testimony that God has flipped our lives around. And it's like, sorry, like incredible because we've given our lives to him. And had we not, I can't even imagine where we'd be. Sorry, I wasn't going to cry. I'm not like Brendan. (laughs) He's more compassionate. But like I, I truly mean that. I truly mean that. I do not know where the 19-year-old the Maddie that had been hurt and, like, was just so rude and, like, harsh with people. I can't even imagine that she would be the woman that's standing up here and preaching you today. But it's because of God. So... <laughs> We need to be very clear. We just need to abide and that's like one of the things I just want to hit with you guys is you have to abide in him. You have to trust him with your life and want what he wants more than what you think is good for you because it's not what I thought. I even wanted in a spouse all of those things was not what I got because his ways were so much better. He gave me what I needed and he'll give you exactly what you need because you think you know and you don't. And I want to even encourage you. I feel like a lot of us make decisions in our life based off what we want. I got into that relationship. I bought that house. I picked that job. But you didn't even ask God about it, and then you're expecting him to bless it. You didn't even invite him in the process, and then you expect him. And God's not going to force himself. We say that all the time. He's not going to do that. He wants you to invite him. And I'll say just in this, like I said, that I cannot even sit up here today and do this if it were not like an own work in my own life and in my own family Anytime Brendan and I thought about renting an apartment, about starting a family, we literally fasted and we prayed, God, if this is your will, God, we think we want this job, but take away what's not ours. God, we think we want this house, but please, if it's not for us, don't give it to us. We sat down and actually prayed those prayers, no matter if it's a big decision, if it's a small decision. We put God first. We're abiding in him. We want what he wants for our lives because it's so much better. It's so much better than what we would have picked on our own. So we have to say, like, Jesus, it's not our life. Like, your will be done, not mine. And worship, you guys can go ahead and start coming on up. Because self-control is hard. It is hard. We can't do it apart from the vine. Literally, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can't want the fruit of the Spirit. You can't want to be more, like, loving. You can't want to be more kind, more patient to have that self-control. You can't do that without him. You can't. And if I can't control my anger or have self-control over my finances, certain things, a lot of this other fruit of the Spirit can't come to pass, right? If I can't control my anger, I'm not going to have patience. I'm not going to be kind. I'm not going to be gentle. But if we can get this under control, then we're going to be extremely effective disciples of Jesus, and that should be our goal. So my encouragement to you is how do we do this? And it's commit to a disciplined life. Abide in Jesus, right? No one wants to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. and read my Bible before my kids wake up. But if you want the fruit, do the work. If you want that in your life, do the work. Find accountability. Find people around you. Have godly desires. Because it's one thing also to just change your behaviors. And maybe you're not outwardly doing those obvious acts of the flesh. But it's a whole heart change. You have to say, Jesus, give me your heart. What would you want for my life? And would I seek only to please you and not myself? Get busy with the things of God. Things that benefit you, not what society says will free you because it won't. We see that in our Emotionally Healthy crew, right? Like we have so much baggage and hurt from what has happened to us, from things the society, just giving into things. And it's time that we as a church step up and we start being that example of what a true disciple, what a true follower of Jesus is, not just a fan. Not just I show up on a Sunday and it's in my bio, but I truly, Lord, want to be more like you. I want to be more loving and kind and patient and gentle. And I also want to be clear, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. That doesn't mean that if you start to struggle with those thoughts of lust or of wanting to go out and get drunk, that doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I haven't been freed from it. You are free in Jesus, right? It just means that it's a daily battle. And you have to die to yourself daily, and you have to renew your mind daily. And it takes work, but you can't expect that fruit, and you can't expect to look somewhat even like your rabbi without doing the work. And my last thing is, like, what if you went your entire life being known with like a tainted character? Wow, she's dishonest, she's a gossip, she's, she's rude, she's harsh, she has no control. Do you want to be known like that, or do you want to be known as somebody who has the fruit of the Spirit? she's so he or she is gentle they have self-control they are kind they are patient right they're faithful it didn't matter what happened in their family it didn't matter what medical report they got it didn't matter who passed away it didn't matter what illness was in their life or when the finances were gone but they were faithful and they showed up day in and day out I don't know about you but that's what I want to be known by I want to be known by my fruit and it takes pruning it takes day-to-day pruning and if you don't have this fruit in your life it's just a challenge Okay, God, I'm clearly not connected to you. God, I'm clearly not spending as much time in our relationship. I'm clearly not abiding. So my just encouragement to us, Coin is would we be better disciples of Jesus? Would we be better followers, not just fans? Would we actually do the work to have a healthy church and to reach the one, to be the example of what the one really should want to see so they can see Jesus' love in our lives? So that's my challenge to you today. We'll go ahead and pray this out. Lord, just thank you so much. Would you just make room in this space to prune us, God? Would we abide and would you give us the desires of your heart, not our heart, because your ways are higher, not our will, Lord, but your will. You know so much better. Like the song says, your way is better. So would we believe that? Would we have confidence in that? And would you display the fruit in our lives, God? as much as we just sit and we are connected to the true vine, would you sit, would you prune us, would you help us to remain steadfast and faithful and ultimately just make us better disciples of you, God. In your name we pray, amen.